0: I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever, but don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, I am so glad that you are back uh, for season four, where we are talking each month with a different co-host, with different faith questions and a different faith story. And this month, we've been talking with Savannah. We've been having some great conversations about um, her faith and also some fantastic questions that she brought up in that first conversation we had at the beginning of the month. Last week, we spoke with Jason Schmidt um, about best practices for sharing faith. And really, we talked a lot about um, a man named Jonathan Schmidt in that conversation. If you haven't listened to it yet, I would highly encourage you to go and take a listen to that. Um, But I'm very excited, Savannah, because you are back today and we are here to talk about something else. So how are you? I'm good. Good. Yeah. Doing well. Hanging in there. <laughs> you you mentioned before we pressed record that you are uh, working hard and working long hours. Yes. Right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Tomorrow's a day off. Had a long week. But it's okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love the job. So it's worth it. And what are you doing exactly? I work as a barista at a coffee shop. Does that mean
0: that you are on your feet all day?
1: Yes. 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. i get some good steps in now do you think that
0: people are genuinely like usually very friendly at a coffee shop or do people tend to be like different moods depending on the time of day like do you notice a change in the way people treat you based on the mood like the weather or the time of day or anything like
1: that? Mm, I would say at this place, it's pretty consistent. Everyone's really, really nice. I have noticed in my past coffee jobs, though, that it definitely depended on the weather and the day of the week, especially at Starbucks. Um, Mondays <laughs> Mondays are rough. <laughs> and uh, And when it was rainy, it was just a disaster. So mm. we prepared for those days. But everyone uh, where I'm at now is really, really nice. Very patient, very kind. Which, that's so that's awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you want to give a plug in case anyone local is listening uh, to a, what coffee shop should they frequent where everyone's nice all the yes.
1: time? Yes. Go to Visible Coffee Roasters in Mill Creek. We also have a location <laughs> in Kirkland. <laughs> it's really great there. It's great for taking pictures. Really nice inside. We make good coffee.
0: Well, if you're local and you live on the west side of the mountains, uh, there's a good coffee shop. Yes. i know there's a lot but it sounds like that one's special because oh it, usually is. it
1: is so fun it formerly used friendly to be called all the time they are not yeah and everyone there's really really sweet and it used to be called spotted cow but mm-hmm. now we changed the name to visible
2: <laughs> that's a cute name that is Spotted cow
0: cute. yeah <laughs> visible is me... great too <laughs> it kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of the purple cow yes yeah. like, what was his name yeah. Seth godin seth godin yeah did you ever read that book? I did not. Mm-hmm. That will, that will go in the show notes. It's an interesting book. The whole mm-hmm. premise of the book is you wouldn't notice like a bunch of cows, but if you saw a purple cow, you would pay attention. And I bet if you saw a spotted cow, you, <laughs> you probably wouldn't pay attention cuz it looked like all the other I, mean, I mean
1: I would though. I feel like I would earth the cow maybe, you know, had zebra stripes or something. <laughs> right.
0: But if you think about it, most cows like Holstein cows do have spots, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, you're right. You're right. They it do sounded have spots. like a purple cow. <laughs> Spotted <a> cow. <laughs> anyway. oh Maybe that's God. why they changed it to visible because it anyway, it should have been called zebra cow. <laughs> okay. Striped okay. cow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right,
0: Savannah. We're back today to talk about one of the questions you brought up. But uh, you had a question about the Bible that I thought was great. Do you want to summarize it uh, briefly here before we introduce our guest?
1: Yes. So the question I had was along the lines of as the Bible, there's different translations. um, As time goes on, how do we continue to rely on The word of God without it being too taken out of context because there's King James version there's new international version things like that easier versions to understand nowadays but um you know people always say there's a fine line between translating it without taking his word out of context so I thought that was very interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I think that's good um I mean, on this podcast, we've talked about the reliability of the Bible before, but I feel like your question is a little different. Um, I think if I wanted to boil down the question, like just to like the bare minimum, I don't know. um, Like, as time goes on, what's going to keep the Bible reliable? Is that fair? Yes. Spot on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So today, Savannah, I'm excited because see, there's this like little... uh, (laughs) She just (laughs) made a funny face, our guest. Um, But there's this like little ribbon of um, continuity between our conversation last week and our conversation this week, because today I'm welcoming back a sweet friend of mine. Uh, We go way back to high school um, when we were both uh, in... Babies. When we were both in Jonathan Schmidt's... youth group, Impact, at Snohomish Free Methodist Church, mm-hmm. uh, way, way back in the mid-90s, early 90s even, um, and so, way before you were born, um, I'm excited to welcome back my friend, Janelle Davis, and she's here to discuss that question with us, so Janelle, mm-hmm. welcome back, you Thank are you. just downstairs, like if I went... I'm just downstairs, because <laughs> our family's over. <laughs>
2: And next time I'm in Mill Creek, I will have to go to Visible Coffee. That'd be fun. I'll give you a discount. (laughs) Give it a friends and family discount. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) I love good roasted coffee, Um, but I can only drink decaf these days. Uh, (laughs) Understandable. um, Yeah, we were in the same youth group together. In fact, Jason, I remember coming on a youth group trip with us across the country to, well, to Colorado. And I remember him as a little baby sleeping like on the grass. Well, he was probably eight months old or so. And I wasn't used to babies or kids. And I thought it's funny if I took like a little piece of grass and just tickled his feet and he'd like (laughs) wiggle. And people were like, don't
0: wake the baby. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) for anyone listening, Jason Mm -hmm. was our guest last week. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) You know what's funny about that? I. First of all, I I didn't know I, I got it confused uh, between Jason and his older brother. I I uh-huh. th- thought Justin. I'd never met yeah. J- Jason, um. But I was so in my own head in in high school. I don't even remember that they had four kids. I didn't remember anything about except for the pictures. Like I I have no recollection of yeah. children. You know, I was so. Oh, well, that's how it is. When I don't you're know. A kid. Is it? Is it? Yeah, is I think you're pretty self focused. Yeah. I think maybe I'm pretty self-focused now too. What am I missing that I don't know that I'm missing? You know. What I mean? Well, like- why well, I would I? Was, I used to be a high
2: school English teacher, and sometimes something a kid would do something they're so embarrassed or something like that, or you know, they tripped or something. They're just dying of embarrassment. I said, "Honey, everyone's so focused on themselves, they probably didn't even notice. You know, they're they're too embarrassed of their own what they've recently done. You know, so." But anyway,
0: yeah. I hope that's true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Janelle, you are Mm -hmm. a writer. You are a teacher. In fact, right now, you're adjunct professor at Mm -hmm. uh, Western. Western Washington University, yeah. Mm -hmm. Teaching literacy to pre-service teachers. So, yeah. Yeah. You're kind of a jack of all trades in a lot of ways, (laughs) but you also um, have a real passion. I'm a Jill of all (laughs) trades. Or that. A Jill Jill of all Mm -hmm. trades. Um. But you have a real passion for the Bible. In fact, um, a couple months ago, you were on the podcast um, mm-hmm. talking with Bernice, uh, my sep- September, no, August co-host. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was great. And I wanted to invite you back on because when Savannah was asking this question, I thought, who do I know that could really dive into that question a little bit? And, um, and I thought of you because I remember you, was it, did you major or minor in ancient Greek or... I minored in ancient Greek. Yeah. Okay. So, and then I can
2: read. I used to be able to read like the Bible and Homer, yeah. but not as much anymore.
0: <laughs> and then you did an apologetics program so, uh, with Biola. Is that right?
2: That's right. Yeah, I did a certificate in
0: by a certificate in apologetics at Biola. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you have a passion for um, scripture. So anyway. Savannah, she's here. It's you guys can have this conversation and I'll just jump in. I'll jump in.
1: (laughs) Savannah's applauding. Silent round of applause. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's great to meet you. And um, I think that is the reliability of the scriptures moving forward um, is an interesting question. And 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 you have to think too, how do we know the reliability of the scriptures? since they were written you know how do we know that those are reliable and there's a lot of things out there that um can speak to that
0: better than i do and um, we'll link them in the show notes because we've had people on here to discuss
2: right yeah and and i and briefly i think about that about that in the past of um you know how can we trust the actual documents that and i know this isn't your question but it's kind of leading up to somewhere else but
1: um, oh no, how can it, we... it's definitely involved that's so okay. true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, how can we trust that actual documents like what's written on them, you know, that those documents that were passed down are are really uh, what was really originally written, mm-hmm. you know? So there's that. And then there's the kind of the chain of custody, I think it's called. And and then, you know, maybe the documents are true, but how do we know that the people weren't liars? you know, that they, that were writing them. So the documents could have been true and not changed, but maybe what was written down was lies. How do we know that? And that's an interesting question. Like, how do we know Luke wasn't lying when he wrote down and um, interviewed these witnesses and, and there's lots of people who speak to that too, like Jay Warner Wallace, I think of that, of the, of him. And, um, and a lot of what he says when I first heard that uh, I had never even thought about that. Cause I always thought, well, what, if the documents aren't true, then it's just not true. And I never thought about pe- how people could be lying in them, you know? And yeah. yeah, and and so and there's lots of things that validate what the people said, like they would be killed for what they were saying. And they were killed for what they said. And so mm-hmm. um, if it wasn't true what they said, uh, why would they die for it? And right. Not only that, but there were people still living who could have, um, rejected what they said and said, Hey, this isn't, this isn't accurate. This is false. And in fact, not only do we not have people saying that's, um, uh, not rejecting it. We have outside corroborating evidence from people not within the Bible, ancient texts, not within the Bible, as well as, um, I can't remember who it was, but, uh, was it uh, Paul referring to Luke's writing? like, even within the Bible, it's saying that this is really, these other parts, these other letters are reliable. Um, and so, and then, you know, and then there's, so I think that they're just, that people would die for what they said and they aren't going to gain power or prestige or, or money. Instead that what they gain is death um, by saying what really happened. I think that that to me is strong evidence that, what the accounts in the Bible are true, you know, because people people died for them. Um, and then I think about like were those documents that were passed down um, copied correctly? And you know, um, there's the Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm I'm not sure if you've heard of those, but they're ancient scrolls that were discovered by I think a kid who threw some uh, a rock in a cave and um, heard something break and went in and where's these jars, like clay jars that were full of, um, ancient scrolls. And so they've been there for, I don't know the dates. I'm really bad with dates, but like many, many years, like a thousand years or something like that. And they, um, were some of those texts were biblical texts and they match what we currently have. And so, there, and you can look and see, look about the errors that are in the Bible from, um, the translations, because there are thousands of errors. If you look at, I believe it's thousands of errors. If you look at what, um, uh, different ancient scrolls have and what we have now, and most of them are spelling errors. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about errors, you really have to see, well, what are the errors if they're spelling errors or like, Um, Like for instance, if we wrote then T H E N instead of than T H A N uh, stuff like that, or slight spelling errors to me, if I'm judging this, I don't really care. I don't think that's a true error. And there are, um, I can't remember. And this is something that we have to look up, but very, very few, if any, that actually impact the core gospel of, Jesus coming and dying, us being a sinful people and Jesus coming and dying for us and giving us life and rising from the dead. Like the errors that um, people talk about and claim for in the Bible are generally spelling errors or errors that do not impact the core gospel, which is really like amazing to me and yeah, incredible. It's relieving. Yeah. yeah. It's really relieving, incredible. And And, um, and so, yeah. And so I think, and to me, the Bible is really like, I love it. And that's why I minored it in ancient Greek. Um, because I thought I want to be able to read the Bible myself. I want, or the new Testament, right. Because the new Testament's written in ancient Greek. I don't want to see if what my newer national version says is what it really says in the Bible. Or I want to, you know, see like, if the pastor is saying in the Greek, it says, blah, 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 blah. I want to be able to say, is this guy icing me? Is he, you know, making things up and, or is it true? And, and honestly um, I can't hardly read ancient Greek anymore, but I can still tell if a pastor is kind of um, BSing his way through and trying to kind of make a point with a sermon about it being in ancient Greek when, um, you know, you're being pretty heavy-handed here to sound scholarly. I, I, you know, this isn't really, you know, that's that's the type of thing I can tell. But um, but it was very, very important to me because our whole religion rests on if the Bible is true and and the historical fact that Jesus came and um, died and rose again from the dead. If Jesus didn't historically do that, then our we don't have a religion anymore. Like Christianity is that's our whole religion. Right. And, and, and because that's all recorded in the Bible and, and where we get that for, if that was disproven to me, I would really have to reevaluate everything because that's, that's our, you know, God's love letter to us about how we are to live our lives in, um, in a flourishing way to thrive as a human society and a personal relationship with him, with each other and with creation. And if that is wrong, if that's an error error, then, um, it, uh, I don't think that it's worth it being a Christian anymore.
1: Right. You know, no, that totally yeah. makes sense. Especially yeah. if you struggle with, with things in life. I know when I was really going through some bad anxiety, I really relied on god and the word of mm-hmm. god and the truth and the scriptures and stuff and you know there always is that thought of what's real and what's not and if everything like you said wasn't real it it's kind of like whoa makes you step back and reevaluate your entire religion and things like that so it's nice knowing that you right. know a lot about it and can clarify that because yeah that yeah. has crossed my mind before and I've also been interested. I mean, I was talking to my counselor about this. I said it would be so cool to translate um different versions of the Bible in different languages, you know, but obviously I can't do that because I only know English, but <laughs> I thought it'd be so cool right to now. do that. And yeah, right now. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's so interesting. I thought that'd be awesome to be able to do that and see mm-hmm. how closely correlated they are or not.
2: Right, right. Yeah. And And it's kind of, I think that when you're translating, you're climbing into the language and into the thinking in a different way than you would, it's kind of forcing you to think about the words and the sentences and how they're put together and what the author was doing and why it is constructed this way when it could have been constructed that way, right? Really. finding a different lens and kind of avenue to think about scripture for, you know, for yourself. And so that was a good practice. It's been a while, but translations of the Bible, um, translations of the Bible are doing different things. And so like, um, uh, there's the message. Are you, are you familiar with the message, which is more of like the living translation type of thing. It's more of like a um, modern translation of the Bible. Yes. Um, and it's written by Eugene Peterson, and who's since passed away. And people actually, I believe they don't even call it a translation. I think it's a transliteration. And so the whole thought of it, and it says this in the message, is this is not a Bible translation. This is actually um, a transliteration, which is kind of this. Um, it's trying to get the Bible to be um translated but but not really it's not a translation but to be said in a different way for modern ears for us to hear in a new way and to and it's more taking thoughts and kind of um this whole sections and passages and putting it into a new idea for our modern ears to hear and so um so when we look at a transliteration like the Living Bible or the Message, it's not a verse by verse or, or a word by word um, translation, right? Where it's like this word means this or that's in chunks and putting it into modern language and sometimes using like the, um, the message will sometimes use modern ideas or modern language um, that that captures our attention more. Um, Uh, So that we can get the idea of what was meant. And that's a bigger jump because Eugene, the assumption is Eugene Peterson knows what was meant in the original and can help us get to that in the modern, right? And I I believe he admits that and everything. It's not like he's saying, I have translated a new Bible. It's a transliteration and it's not meant to be a word for word or scripture for scripture transliteration. So Mm -hmm. so you're kind of viewing it more devotionally um, than like a Bible study. Like you're reading it more in a devotion or praying through it. Not like this is what the ancient text said. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. And that's nice too that that's clarified because I'm sure some people out there have thought that it was a translation yeah, and thought, oh, and that can get confusing too, thinking that that's exactly what was in the bible but I was thinking the same thing more of a devotional type of yes thing that you can understand better especially for younger ears and the younger generation and and it's
2: great like like you know some I haven't loved but some his um his work has really impacted me differently, and because I've been reading the Bible my whole life, and then I'll read the message, I've never thought of it that way. That mm. he said, you know, and so that's really nice. You know, it's really yeah. nice and fresh.
1: That's the awesome. other thing
2: that does that for me, which my husband Hans heard about from your podcast, Janelle, is streetlights. Oh yeah, didn't you, know you mention that? That was Casey Leander that told us about streetlights. I'm pretty sure yeah, we listen to it all the time. Um, Savannah, have you heard of streetlights? I have not. It's like a um, uh, artistic rendering of the Bible and and so it's like people acting it out with more um, modern, beats to it as well like in the oh. background like music and diverse people reading it as well so it doesn't sound like old white men there's nothing wrong with that however <laughs> different things appeal to different to people clarify. Yeah. exactly, exactly um, right and my kids love it and i love it too it sounds more lyrical and more like music and um, I, I was studying the book of Ruth and I um, listened to Ruth multiple times. And it's a woman who's the voice of Ruth, which I really appreciate. So it's so beautifully done. They, they don't have the whole Bible yet, but it's something wow. I was like, I should financially support this. It's so incredible, you know?
1: Awesome. Yeah.
0: Have um, you listened to the Bible Project too? That was something I learned about through this podcast. Uh, podcast i thought it was josh white who talked about it the first time have mm. you seen the videos for the bible project me or savannah either of you i have not oh it's really good it's yeah amazing. i've seen it yeah yeah i I was watching like the video there these short animation videos like five or six minutes that very plain yeah. and really well done um mm-hmm. what's the name of the guy tim Mackey. Yeah, Timaki. Mm-hmm. Out of Portland. He's got this whole team. They make these animated videos, very, very well done, explaining the mm-hmm. different books of the Bible. Yeah. Um, and it's great like as an entry level thing, but also like explaining to somebody maybe who's never <laughs> never read the Bible before, like, here's a little synopsis. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. In fact, I showed it to Caleb, my my oldest, the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we
2: watch it as a family. They also have a read an app called reading scripture, I think. And so you can read scripture on your phone. And then when they have a video that corresponds with what you're reading, it'll pop up. And so um, if you're like Ruth, like they, I think they have a video that introduces all the books of the Bible and some of the books have two or three videos. And so it'll give you an overview or tell you the structure of the book or what to look for. And then also they have videos that talk about Hebrew words like the Shema or um, Shalom or um, different concepts like that. So when a scripture really is going into a different concept, that video might come up. And then I can't recommend highly enough their reading. I think it's called reading scripture series. And again, these are like five or six minutes long. And a couple of years ago, I think I was, you know, I'm like 40 years old or 41 years old and I'm uh, maybe 39. I was 39 Um, and um, I'm teaching how to read the Bible class. And I come across these videos and some of them are explaining things about the Bible in five or six minutes. And again, I've been a Christian my whole life and why haven't I heard this before? I've never heard some of the things preached before that they are teaching in simple, high quality, beautiful videos that are Christian, but you're not embarrassed of them because a lot of Christian modern art, you're just super, it's super like, oh, cringy, right? Um, But this is very high quality and, and even doing things like when they're talking about poetry and um, in different genres, and they talk about poetry. The whole uh, the whole look of the video changes and matches what the content is. They're talking about expressionism and is some symbols, and and they're matching the artwork to say what the content is. It's just very, very um, kind of layered and thoughtful artistic wow. expression. Yeah, I, need I can't. To watch t-
1: that. that sounds yeah.
2: so cool. Yeah, I think every you know, it's, every Christian is a good. Foundation in that, and, and things that I have struggled with in the Bible, like there's that a couple times in the Bible, there's just really horrible, horrible things that happen to women, like the one guy pledging, "Hey, if we win this battle, um, I can't remember his name, but if we win this battle, I'll sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my house um, when I get back," and he pr- promises to the Lord, and so he goes back home, and the first thing that comes out of his house is his daughter, and. By the way, was he not thinking this was a possibility? Like, you know, like that a human would come out of his house? Like, come on! And and so, and she's a virgin. She says, "Let me go with my girlfriends and basically weep with them in the hills, and I'll come back, and then you can sacrifice me." And he and she does, and he falls through through with it and sacrifices it, sacrifices her. And for a long time, I I was like, I don't understand why this is here. I know that's not right, and I know God is just but is this what, you know, I thought all of scripture or a lot of scripture was about live your life this way. And it had never been explicitly taught to me that some scripture is just telling you what happened. And because it's ancient Hebrew storytelling, they would then say this awful thing that happened and the audience is expected to know what the moral is or know look how awful this was. This is how sinful they were. But I had never been taught that. So there are many, um, several stories like that. that They're just awful towards women. And there's a time in my life where um, I was really struggling with how the church treated women. And those stories certainly did not help because I didn't understand the interpretation and how to read that. Um, that, that God is not saying you should do that. This was how awful things were, you know, and, and how far away they were from the Lord.
1: Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I just said that totally makes sense. Yeah. And,
0: and real quick, I, I agree with everything you just said, Janelle, but I just want to jump in because that's a story in the Bible that I personally have also Am yeah. I like horrified by? But that particular oh. story, um, the the one of the, the Jerem or something, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of some things um, in the Old Testament. But I actually read some commentary uh, where people actually sound Bible scholars thought that uh, his sacrifice uh, was actually her like marriage, her ability to get married. Not oh, interesting. Her life. Um, mm-hmm. and they were, they were. examining the, the original Hebrew. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I prefer to look at it that way. I mean, I don't yeah. know. It could, it could be yeah. either. Um, I agree with what you just said, but I mm-hmm. wanted to, um, just shift the conversation a little bit here, um, and kind of get back to something that I think is a real problem. Like we mm-hmm. live in this culture, both of you know, uh, where information, including false information is more available than mm-hmm. ever before. I remember a time where if you had a question about something, uh, Savannah, you probably don't remember this, but you would spend hours researching in the library uh, looking for the answer, right? But now a simple Google search uh, brings up content uh, by popularity or algorithm, right? It's Um, If you know the algorithms, you could get your stuff on Google to be, it it could be Mm -hmm. one of the first things that pops up. Or money, if you have the money to Mm -hmm. do it. People can create viral videos on TikTok Mm -hmm. or Instagram that share information to millions in a matter of minutes. Who cares if it's accurate information or not? Um, Videos can be edited or altered so well that sometimes people can't even tell the difference between reality Or these so-called deep fakes and in some places like China parts of the Bible are being altered to fit a cultural narrative Um, and who's going to know the difference fake news is everywhere so I'm just curious what your thoughts are on what's going to keep the Bible from becoming a victim to this cultural shifting where there's information everywhere and how do we know what's actually true
2: Mm mm-hmm you want me to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of it, I think, well, I think a lot of it is people have always wanted to use the Bible story for their own ends, whether that was a church who wanted money and like the Catholic church who um, wanted people to pay to uh, alleviate their sins. What was that called? The medieval times. You remember that? Um and in order for them to not a penance, the the words totally slipping my talking mind. About, but, I don't. but they had to pay, right? And and then and the people didn't know that because the Bible was in Latin, and only the priests knew Latin, and they wasn't. And that's why the um, King James version was such a big deal because finally it was in the people's English, and they could read it for themselves, though the very few who could read, right? But um, and I think that that this isn't a new problem. You know, it might be a problem that's um, different because of technology, but I think people have always been trying to um, take whatever they can and get it um, and twist it for their own power and for what they want. And and I think that uh, also conversely, if you if you look at it, um, if we look at people, say in American middle um, middle class America, especially. Um, we have this problem with news anyway, and uh, of people believing and so polarized and believing kind of whatever they wanna believe. And I think it's a truth problem. I think it's a problem about um, what people really believe about truth and how we find truth. And, um, and uh, as far as um, people come kind of making up what they want and believing it, I think that can be applied to any type of news now, whether it's about vaccines or masks or or anything like that. And yet it's still hard to sift through that. As I say that, it's still hard to sift through that and be like, well, what are the facts? Because I hear people shouting from both sides. But one thing with the Bible is, is that we have these ancient texts. And one great thing about technology is they are more readily available. And it's not like, someone can go and if someone were to go and burn them, there's still digital copies that will kind of live forever because so many people have copies of them. Right. So even if the physicalness deteriorated from those, um, if they, the physical copies deteriorated, we still would have these digital copies. And I think that's why it's so important to still have scholars that, um, are reading the Hebrew are reading the Greek and, um, informing, uh, new translations or informing things that come out. And and to look, is this new translation, is this um, just changing a few things here and there, or is it a transliteration that's doing something like Eugene Peterson's The Message doing to kind of put it in modern terms. And if this new translation is doing big changes that are saying different things about the gospel than what we have believed for 2000 years, that's probably not right. Because if if things are going too far off into the gutter, the and it, when we're 2000 years from when the um events happened when the Bible was written, though that's probably more wrong than whatever happened and was ancient because that's closer to the actual time events. And even if you look, um, the Bible is one of the has some of the most ancient manuscripts ever of any ancient text. Like if you're looking at um Homer or Cicero, Cicero or Cicero, excuse me, or Homer or some of these ancient authors, the Bible has the most ancient texts and closest to the dates it was actually written. So the texts we find are only decades past the actual event where other ancient authors are hundreds of years. Like the Bible passes the ancient text test far further and far better than any other ancient author, it's incredible. Um, And so, yeah, so I think about that, like how do we not like deep fake news, Jesus. Right. And I think some of it is, um, that these ancient texts, um, studying them and having Greek and Hebrew scholars. And, and honestly, some of it is living in community, um, and being, I think, um, in real relationships with people and, Praying together, reading the Bible together, being in the word together. So if we're reading stuff and thinking things that, oh, this, this Bible verse means, um, I can leave my husband and, uh, go start a new life with this, uh, guy I just met. And, and I, that's my truth. And I believe that. Right. And this other Bible scholar says that that's okay. But if you're in community with people and someone is saying, no, it's not, that's not what that says. And, um, and I have that accountability of a community. I also think that's a really important piece. So I don't know. Yeah. Those are some of the thoughts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. Savannah, you're nodding your head too. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. That's really, really spot on. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, in some countries, Bibles are still outlawed right Mm -hmm. and people smuggle bibles in they will risk their lives to take this holy book uh, in and and i've even had my husband did in when he was 12 they traveled around the world his family traveled
2: around the world for a year and part of that they smuggled in um medical supplies and bibles to romania and bribed the guards with soap and cigarettes to get through um
0: yeah yeah and I, I've spoken to people who've talked about like the awe of somebody who's holding a Bible for the mm-hmm. first time going, Oh my gosh, you know, like, I can't wait to read this. Like this, like it's food for them to eat almost, you know, mm-hmm. like a uh, living food. And I just think, man, like we have it at our fingertips, like right on our phones. We have it, you know, right here. I have, I'm holding mm-hmm. a small Bible right here. Like and how often do I actually like e- even consume it on a regular basis mm-hmm. or even take it seriously? And when I think of what's going to keep us from deep fakes and from all the false news out there, it's staying grounded on, on, on truth and knowing yes. what the word of God actually says, because mm-hmm. there is so much noise out there and most of it is lies, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I Many times on this podcast, I've talked with people about TikTok and videos that they saw that suddenly put a dent in their faith and their simple answers actually in the word of God that a a regular Bible study or any type of thing would go, hey, no, no, that's exactly Mm -hmm. even pastors who proclaim to speak, you know, from the word of God. I was just watching something about a very po- uh, popular pastor the other day and somebody was calling him out saying that's actually not biblical. And here's all the scripture that says this is not okay. And I'm thinking, I think the guy got 60,000 likes on this post or something. It's like, man, like yeah, know what the Bible actually <laughs> says. But yeah. along those lines, um, you know, today, There's many people who believe the Bible is a biased text full of fairy tales and religious agendas. Mm -hmm. Um, For someone with that perspective, let's say someone with that mindset is listening to this conversation right now, what would you say? um, What sets the Bible apart from other ancient texts or from any fairy tale document? Maybe that's what this person believes. Or why pay attention to this ancient collection of books? And what's the relevance for somebody today? Are you asking me for Savannah? Do you want to answer Savannah, this? Savannah, you can jump in first if you want, but then Janelle, you know. yes. Yeah. You can go first. Okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, little teeny questions, Janelle. You know? I know. Teeny tiny ones. I um, <laughs>
0: I, t- I tried to give you, you told me you wanted to wait to have this conversation till later. I was like, okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I've got um, things percolating in my head. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> well, I
2: think as you think about it, I think as I've studied the proof for the Bible, it blows other ancient texts out of the water. And, and even just some of the things that blow my mind is that it's, it's God's continual story of his love and redemption for mankind or humankind, right? Um, His never ending, never stopping, never giving up on us. And even um, our church is going through the book of Judges, and there's horrible stories of the Israelites who keep falling away from God, worshiping, doing horror, worshiping other gods, doing horrible things. And God still pursues them, forgives them, wants to help them, wants to be in relationship with them. His never ending, never stopping, grace filled response is powerful and overwhelming to think that. The God of the universe wants that for me when I make mistakes and in a world, in our culture, um, we are, uh, overwhelmed with, uh, this lie that we can, we have what we need within ourselves. If I can just find my authentic, true self, then I'll be able to do whatever I want. Um, that's my salvation. It's within me. And I think that is one of the biggest drivers for anxiety in our culture for young people, is that they keep being told that you can do it, just try harder, you can do it, you are worth it, and um, you have it within you, and and all these kind of self-help mantras. But the truth is, even though we're made in God's image, we cannot be whole. And we cannot have a flourishing life without Jesus's redemptive love in our lives. And so the Bible tells that story of his great love for us. And I know that there is a God-shaped hole in all of our souls that cries out for the Lord and cries out for something. And people don't know what it is, but cries out and, and they know they need something and they know that they can't do it. And I think that's why we have so much anxiety. One of the big reasons why we have so much anxiety is because really when people peer into their souls, they know they can't do it. And so now what am I going to do? Because everyone says I am enough and I know I'm not enough. And the Bible is the story of um, God's rescue plan for us to be fully redeemed. And so that we are not enough, but instead we are serving the King who is enough and, we, and, and, um, and we're living a life of redemption that glorifies God and worships him fully. And, and that is what our souls need, not to be enough, because I don't want to be enough. I want to be flourishing. I'm not enough. You know, that's not the life I want to live is to just be enough, right? I want to have a flourishing life filled um, that is a, a cup run over, flowing with the living waters that are healing that Jesus provides. And so that's the story of the Bible, um, a broken people made in God's image that God keeps coming back to rescue because of his, of his deep, unending love for us. And I believe that um, if you read the Bible and ask God to show you, Lord, reveal yourself to me. If you are God, if you're out there, show yourself to me. And I'm going to read the Bible send your Holy spirit, send your spirit, whatever those Christians say, that weird, wacky stuff. I don't get it, but I'm, I'm going to be open to it. Show me Lord. And, um, I know that the Lord will show up in a miraculous way when we turn our hearts towards him. And, and also I want to say that even if people don't have the Bible, um, I think the story of God and, um, create is hidden is in his creation and that, when people finally do um get their hands on the bible um truths that they've seen all around them are revealed in a different way in pointing themselves to god because god himself um is written all in creation and and that's true even if you look at science and kind of the argument of fine-tuning and how that uh for us to even have life on this planet and exist there we have to um, the whole cosmos had to be or the whole world had to be fine-tuned exactly in certain ways and to be off just a little bit would mean there couldn't be life on our planet so the, the idea that we can even have life on this planet in our solar system and everything's set up just right to do that like it could have if this was a cosmic accident the chances of it happening for there to be life are so slim like the um that just the evidence of fine tuning that um to me is like god hiding himself in creation like look look i am everywhere i'm in your dna planning i'm the language of creation so um not like he really is not in a pantheistic or panentheistic way but in a um the lord is is giving us signs that point us back to him even outside of the bible i think
1: so anyway yeah did that answer touch on some of the things I think that but. was a really good answer I think it's huge too like you said he shows us through his word because even in you can see certain little things throughout the bible like you said that add up. for example people wouldn't risk their lives and choose death for for if it was nothing and mm-hmm. it even says in revelations thou shall not add or take away right um, right from the word of God and and people so many people have said when they start reading the Bible and getting into the word of God, that it changes their life. And if it was just some fake words on a page, a lot of people say, Oh, placebo, you know, this and that, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's a spiritual thing. You know, you can feel it's not really placebo. It, it really does. And I've felt that change too in ways. And God reveals the word to you in a different way, in a different like light, like you said, when mm-hmm. you, have that kind of relationship with him and actually the reason I first came to this question it started with uh, when I was on TikTok actually and Mm -hmm. I, I was watching videos and these people were basically saying how the whole bible is a lie everything you've been told is a lie and this and this and that and I'm not one to believe everything I hear until I do research on it you know and things like that but when you're on a faith journey and a faith walk with God and you're struggling or you're going through some sort of spiritual warfare or you're really battling with anxiety or something like I was, um, certain things like that can make you a little bit anxious and they make you question everything. And especially when you're trying to gain that or build that firm foundation with mm-hmm. God, um, little things like that can can waver you.
2: Oh, and yeah. yeah, that,
1: that it was kind of, I think what didn't waver my faith but it really scared me it made Mm -hmm. me question things and after that day that's when I first thought you know I want to do some more research on this Mm -hmm. I want to dig deep into this and know more about this because I can't be the only one that is thinking about it or questioning it or worrying that this safety blanket the security net that God has given us our whole lives is there a possibility Mm -hmm. that it was taken out of context or it could be in the future you know
2: right Right. And I just want to encourage you, Savannah, that that is great to ask questions and God is strong and big enough to handle your questions and my anger or disappointment or grief um, and Janelle's sorrow or um, guilt or whatever she's going through, you know, our anxiety and that's the incredible thing. I think sometimes I we get scared and don't question because what if, what if, mm, right? Yeah. But there are solid, solid answers out there from many people. In fact, um, there's a famous journalist who um, was like, "I'm gonna, I'm an investigative reporter. I'm going to prove Christianity wrong," and um, because this is ridiculous, I can't believe people still believe this fairy tale. And so he went out and did his investigative journalism thing. And I think did that for a year and became a Christian. And there's a famous cold cold case detective in LA who um, was on Dateline in 2020, very famous guy. And he would, Jay Warner Wallace, I referred to him before. I don't know if you've heard of him. And, and um, he really looked down his nose at those stupid Christians who are morons and don't, you know, I can't believe they believe this uh, childish story. And his wife wanted to go back to church after they had kids. He was like, fine, I'm going to go and I'm going to prove this wrong. And I'm going to solve it like I do my cold cases that people haven't been able to solve for 20 years. I'll go in there and solve this and prove God wrong, right? That there's no God. And he became a Christian, you know, and there's story after story like this of people yeah. who are dead set against, you know, against Christ and, and became Christians because the answers were too um reasonable. Yeah. And there's too much, there's overwhelming evidence. In fact, I have a whole list of evidence when I did my bio biolist certificate about evidence for Jesus that isn't in the Bible. So if you weren't, is Jesus even a historical figure if we can't use the Bible for evidence? And there's enough evidence outside of the Bible in different texts that talk about Jesus that would prove his existence. Oh
1: yeah. So that's huge. You that's know, so yeah. So cool to know. Yeah. And as well, like you said, is is God too, you know. <laughs> at the end of the day that was something i thought about too even if you don't know proof of everything or right the bible and stuff like that there is a god that is bigger and better than anything mm-hmm. and you can go mm-hmm. to him with any of those questions and he will he will give you clarity on it right
2: yeah well
0: and too like it's so funny you brought up jay warner wallace because his latest book a uh, person of interest is exactly is exactly what you just described mm-hmm. you know he um, he wrote his manifesto. The first book he wrote, what was that? Um, Cold, case Christianity. Cold case Christianity. That's his website too. Yeah, a lot about mm-hmm. his story, how he came to Christ, talking about you know researching and everything. And then he said the second book he's written other books in between, but this other book that just came out, um, person of interest, is all of the evidence for Jesus and the resurrection outside mm-hmm. of the Bible, because oh, I didn't in today's culture so many people will say what I you know the question I asked which is it's just a biased book I'm just going to put that aside Mm -hmm. he's like no 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 and so I watched a whole thing he did with Elisa Childers an interview and it was fantastic and he was talking about this and somebody got on there from um, Stand to Reason we had a few weeks ago Greg Kokel on this podcast Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. uh, the director there and but anyway there was a different person from there on and she said you know she said, what I love about this book um, is the focus on Jesus. It's like right back on. She goes so often with apologetics, we're getting into all these, you know, nitty gritty questions and stuff. And right back on is this spotlight on Jesus Christ now uh, mm-hmm. with this book. And so um, I'll, I'll share that in the show notes. And mm-hmm. something else I wanted to add real quick, too, is... You know, I heard a ministry leader years ago, she said, um, a couple of years ago, she said, wherever you see God doing something awesome, you're going to see the enemy swirling around in all sorts mm-hmm. of crazy ways. Um, and I think what we're seeing right now with TikTok and all of the, <laughs> all of the fake news out there about God and um, about apologetics and about, you know, what, the Bible and 1947, the Bible was changed and all this crap out there. That's a bunch of lies. Like it's a lot of swirling around trying to get us distracted. And you know what? I think the enemy, I mean, I'm going to get kind of weirdly Christian on here right now, but (laughs) I think, (laughs) I think the enemy loves to keep us from the word of God. I think he loves it. Mm -hmm. I was, um, on, Social media, because God can use social media. Um, I was on social media recently, and there was uh, some ministry leaders in marriage. They were sharing about a statistic that couples that pray together, Christian couples that pray together, uh, like 1% um, will end in divorce, like their marriages will end in divorce if they pray regularly together. It's like, whoa, that's an amazing statistic when you consider that 50% of all. So 99% stay together. 99% stay together. Yeah. Well, then, my husband and I, just this past weekend, we were at a marriage conference thing over the weekend, and the speaker used the same data, only like actually referenced it. I think it was out of Harvard or Yale, one of these places. It wasn't even a Christian study, and it was less than 1%, like 0.001% of people that regularly pray together in their marriage, husband and wife, uh, their marriage ends in divorce. Now, do you think that we have like a whole like million dollars of industry, like trying to tell people how to get your marriage together, how to get your life together, how to do all these different things? What did Jesus say? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and <laughs> all these things will be added. It's so simple. And yet we're, we're chasing after all this other stuff, right? Get I in am. the word of God for so yourself true. and then ask God, Lord, show me. Is this true? Like Janelle was mm-hmm. saying, you know, <laughs> I love that our guest today is Janelle. I know. It's you great. Know, it's awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I forget who I am. <laughs> I got her. I know, um, so cool. But, you know, like get in the word for yourself. Don't. Uh, how many times have I talked to people who have all these questions about the Bible, but have they actually read it? Mm-hmm. I've been there. Like, I, I don't understand how God could allow this or how this could happen. Have you read? Have you read it? That's just a question. You know, mm-hmm. if this Bible is so sought after in some countries where people are weeping at the chance to hold just a fragment of scripture. When I read about Cory Ten Boom, who was, you know, in,
1: mm-hmm.
0: in prison during Nazi Germany, And she carried a tiny little Bible just so she could read those scriptures to those women who were covered in life and facing death every day, just to encourage them. There's something powerful about this. Find out Mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's compelling.
1: Oh, yeah, that's so that is so true. And a lot of people say, you know, if you have time to watch Netflix or do this or that, do that, you have time to get into the Word of God. Some people, you know, they say a lot of people say not that it's a chore but you know they're like oh I'll do it later oh I'll do it later and they put it off and put it off I feel like that's something personally that I've had to pray a lot about is Lord don't just remind me to get into the word of God that Mm -hmm. I would be excited Mm -hmm. that I would be ecstatic you know look forward to it and Mm -hmm. once you do start reading it, it you you can't get enough of it you want more and more and more it's awesome yeah
0: yeah, and there's always a way, you know, like Streetlights is a great app, the Bible Project, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, there's so many great resources out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is special, but don't take our word for it. If you're listening but to this. Don't those. take our word, for, take it. Our word for it. Don't take our word for it. Read it for yourself.
1: <laughs> and watch <laughs> The Chosen if you haven't. It. It's really, really, chosen. really good. <laughs> the Chosen is great, too.
0: I know. I, I think so, too. Janelle, have you watched it? Do you like it?
2: I've only seen a little bit and I cried a lot. Oh, and same. then because it's so good, like it's Yay. so, like, oh my God. you know, and um, but I'm we saw the Christmas one last year, and a friend is renting got a bunch of tickets and at the theater and invited a ton of people for their Christmas present. Mm-hmm. So, one our small group, so we're going as a family, um, oh, to see that, and that'll be good. But that stuff is kind of overwhelming to me. Um, like, I really have to make emotionally space for it because it's so like,
1: Oh my, you know, just, Oh yeah, kind of, definitely. Yeah. I don't know how to say it, but it's very in, intense and yeah, intense. Mm-hmm. And it's not just something you're kind of like, Oh, I have 30 minutes before work. Let me watch the chosen, yeah. you know, it's, it's really, it's very emotional and, yeah. they and then usually I can't them. sleep. And so yes. finding the right time where like
2: I can watch it, but have a couple hours to kind of decompress is,
1: kind of needed yeah it's so it's so deep and they say you know that they pray over these episodes and mm-hmm. and as soon as you watch them it's like whoa yeah this yeah. is incredible so i totally agree with that it's mm-hmm. really good
0: well it's late and i think we should probably wrap up here um and uh let people rest but uh, <laughs> savannah do you have any final thoughts before we ask the final question
1: oh I don't think so. Um, this was really, really great though. This answered a lot of questions I have because oh, people so don't realize too, you know, even if I've been a Christian my whole life, but I am um, feel like I'm restarting on this this journey. You know, I just got baptized and mm. and you made so many good points and shared so much knowledge that I needed good. to hear and wanted to know. So this was really, really great. And it's great to be able to add it to the upward journey <laughs> good good I'm glad it's so lovely to
2: talk with you and I live cool. on the other side of the state uh, we're just speaking Janelle now but maybe we'll be able to meet in person one day yes that would so, be awesome yeah
0: that'd be great mm-hmm. that'd be really cool get that friends and family discount yeah um, like, yes yeah I and send it. me a, a picture <laughs> Yes, <We'll laughs> it was like, so funny she invisible. sent a picture <laughs> she sent a picture to a friend from high school today she's like wish you were here
2: we were at cosmic bowling with the kids it was, and it's like black lights and macklemore playing and we were <laughs> having a fun Throwback. time so that fun. is so fun cosmic bowling it. and black lights and the our kids are like oh, you know loving the black lights that so so cool right, who, who am i kidding i love the black lights yeah i
1: know
2: <laughs> we all do we're all <laughs> children of heart yeah
0: <laughs> I, I yeah it was really fun all right fine fun final question Janelle you've been asked it before but the finding something real podcast is about a journey towards restoration eternity authenticity and love restoration eternity authenticity and love of those gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ and I know that there are plenty more but which stands out to you the most in your life right now and why
2: oh you have such good questions um I think restoration does. It has been a really hard um, eighteen months or so since COVID started in uh, in many different ways, and I think that um, I'm reading a book by Larry Crab called "Shattered Dreams." And my husband saw the t- title of that book, and he's like, "That's the that's the saddest title ever." <laughs> and and um, and right now, I feel like um, where is the Lord in our shattered dreams? Where's the Lord in our grief? And I'm finding a lot of comfort in knowing that he is there and he has been an incredible, Jesus has been an incredible pain and God has had kind of this shattered dream of a people turning away from him again and again and again. And, um, and I think in pain and suffering, our souls are revealed and orientated back towards the Lord in a, in a way that they can never be um, when everything's going great. And in our middle-class American, my middle-class American life, um, where so much of the messaging around us is that you need to do self-care and everything should be going great for me and, and is to feed the self through yoga and the, and charcuterie boards, which I made today and,
0: And you know, and,
2: um, hot yoga and charcuterie board and facials and getting a massage and me time. I need my me time. I deserve it. And and even in advertising, you see it all the time. You deserve it. it. You deserve this donut. My the donut box that I got to pick up donuts, it says you deserve this. Um, and that's not what the Bible teaches that we deserve these things. Um, in fact, what we deserve is, death for our sinful nature and our sinful self. And so this orient, this restoration that's happening in my life is reorientating me back to remembering that actually the Christian life is a hard life of suffering, but it's unexplainable how through that suffering that we can have great joy and great relationship with a risen Lord. And, um, and people, A lot of um, modern Christian talk, I think, likes to edit out the suffering Jesus who carried a cross and who bled as he cried, you know, asking the Father to take that, his lot away from him, right? And if you, you know, um, and instead he went to the cross. And we forget, I think, in our, um, in middle class America, that the suffering Jesus is. is part of Christianity and if, and if to follow him, we will have that path too. Um, and, and so I'm in this restoration. I feel like it's kind of a sloughing off of self care and trying to orientate myself in suffering towards a risen savior who's gone through that. Um, and so that, that seems like a sad message. It seems like a sad answer <laughs> to talk about suffering. And that's a great mystery. How a risen Lord who has suffered can somehow bring us joy on earth. Um, And it is a great mystery that I think through prayer and contemplation and reading of God's word, we will come to understand in a deeper way. And I'm understanding through the suffering I've been through in the last 18 months with COVID and different things that have happened in my life. So yeah, the end.
0: I love you, Janelle. Mm-hmm. And I love you too, Savannah. And uh, I just am thankful for both of you. Oh, that's Yeah, hearts. we're doing
1: hearts. We're doing hearts. <laughs> you can't see it, but we're doing hearts. <laughs> thank oh, it was so for, great
2: getting to talk you with you, for you guys. Until it next time.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting co-hosts to join me to share their personal stories and to ask their honest questions about the Christian faith. Each month, we hope to feature a different co-host and together invite guests on to share from their own faith journeys and experiences. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, But if you're curious at all about what's so great about Jesus, I hope you come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.